Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith. And today, listeners, I've got a lovely guy. His name is Nicholas Cannon. And he really caught my attention because I noticed a post on Facebook that was very aligned with what I share with the audience and what I deliver in terms of my own actual teachings. And Nicholas had put a post out there specifically talking to men around how they can really shape up and address women and what their wants and needs are. So this is what, something that really captured my imagination. I thought, must get this mum on my podcast audio. So welcome, Nicholas. Thank you, Liam, for having me here. And the other thing that really caught my imagination was that uh, I noticed on your Facebook, Nicholas, that you're all around about, sorry, love, freedom, beauty and passion. I love that too. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that alive with all those is, well, I don't know if that's life. You can call it a life. Yeah. So, Nicholas, tell, tell me a little bit about what's inspired you to sort of, um, I suppose, specialise a little bit around relationships. What, what, what initially has caught your imagination or has given you wisdom and, and has drove you into this as a bit of a, a, a niche for yourself? Boy, it's, it's a bit of a long story, but I'm going to make it very, very, very brief and summarized. I was raised and I grew up in Colombia, South America, with a family that was very conservative and a mother that was very controlling and overprotective. And a mix of the cultural biases plus the family influence made sure that I grew up with a very distorted sense of what masculinity was. Mm. At first being completely shy and awkward and distant and then jumping from that to being um, like chauvinistic in a, in a negative way, being very... Um, some points of my life, in my relationships, I was misogynist in the way that I thought, in the way that I expressed myself. And, uh, and, and from these experiences, I, I realized that there had to be a better way because mm. I did not feel good embracing that idea of masculinity. And then every role model that was presented to me through society, through TV, music, etc., cetera, um, represented some of that, you know, the quote-unquote alpha male masculinity and these things that the most men are drawn towards so when i explored that i realized that it felt really fake and it felt like playing a game that i didn't want to be a part of so very young i i devoted myself to finding the way or trying to find uh or re more than finding reclaiming and remembering what conscious masculinity was and then i well, i worked for different coaching companies in that field uh, for many years with men who, who were in the same place as I was, mm. were men who were 
in a way caught up in toxic masculine patterns. A lot of men that were caught up in the pickup industry when, mm. when it exploded, a lot of men that misogyny of that. And, but that felt that there was something deeper. So a lot of my work was around that, around, around recovering that. But beyond that, I realized that the, the moment that I started connecting in my personal life in a deeper way with women, with beautiful women, and by beautiful, I don't mean physically mm-hmm. only, but I mean with a beautiful heart, yeah. was the moment that I stopped seeing women as a problem or as the enemy, you know, which is uh, what we're raised to believe most men like that women are something to conquer you know they're like something that you get and or 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 there's someone that you get something out of right sexual pleasure or approval or validation and the moment that i gave up that quest for that and i started to see that women were just like me they wanted to be loved they wanted also to love to do it well and just like myself nobody had taught them how to do it right so then, um, yeah, I started focusing more on what makes a relationship thrive, what makes a conscious relationship work. I think the post that you found was around that. It was me speaking to men about what to do and how to navigate a complaint from the woman, how to see it in a different light. Excellent. I love what you're saying there because I've more or less done the opposite, but from the feminine perspective, you know, on my journey and looking at, you know, um, uh it through the eyes of you know like you were saying not not being comfortable with where i was fitting in in the, in my role as as a woman and as the feminine in a, in a relationship so yeah very aligned with what you were saying there in a, in a moment we were we're going to talk about navigating conflicts in relationships but before we get into that i just wanted to get your take on um the energies in relationships because um what I've learned, I suppose, on my journey is that I feel that we all have um, masculine and feminine energy. But not only that, we all have um, something which is our main core, dominant natural energy. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the same as your gender. You know, that can be different to your gender, um, whether you're in heterosexual relationships or same sex relationships, or even if you don't identify <laughs> with any sex relationship. Um, You know, I do feel that we all have masculine and feminine, but not only that, I think for me, we all have um, uh, healthy and unhealthy ways of sometimes defaulting into either, you know, the healthy masculine or the unhealthy masculine or the healthy feminine or the unhealthy feminine. I think certainly for men, um, you know, their perception has probably been to live up to more you know, being in that unhealthy masculine energy as as being what's right for them. or, or And then those guys have not necessarily felt great in that, you know, that unhealthy sort of aggression type masculine energy that can sometimes attract and create toxic relationships, but not, they're not knowing how to default into a more healthy masculine without feeling that they might be coming across as being too feminine. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with what you shared. I, the way that I refer to it in my work is, yeah, the conscious masculine, the conscious feminine, and the toxic masculine or toxic feminine, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of toxic masculinity alive today. 
Um, but I also feel that most men, or a big percentage of men today, they are operating not even from a toxic masculine, but from a toxic feminine energy. And yeah. the so for those listening who are not who don't have clarity around this, toxic masculinity, um, I related or link it to let's say a dictator or a tyrant, right? Someone yes. who's controlling, pushy, forceful who lacks empathy, compassion, and wants things his way. And it's a, a penetrative force, but a penet- a, it's like a penetration without compassion, without consent. It's like a very forceful and very rough and damaging in the process. The way that I've understood the toxic feminine is uh, the, the, well, the conscious feminine is all about nurturing and, and emotional health and happiness. I believe that the toxic feminine is all about Wanting to feel a lot, but wanting to do it through means that are not healthy. So we have a lot of drug abuse or addictions. Any way in which we're coping or anything that we're doing that becomes an addictive pattern that just because we want to feel, and if it's validation, approval from women, from other people. And uh, I feel that today a lot of men are acting from this place. There are some that are still pushing forceful and controlling although a lot less than some years ago. But I think there's there's a lot more that are opting to uh, going to substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, sometimes even abusing uh, sexuality itself becomes a way out, a way not to have to, to connect, to open up. And uh, I believe that the work that you and I are doing is, is all about both the conscious masculine and the conscious feminine being brought up in our relationships yeah definitely i do agree you know for me i've described the um the uh, the unhealthy feminine uh, or you know the toxic feminine if you like in in relationships as being you know that person that's in victim mode you know they're very needy they're very desperate they're operating the same as the toxic masculine from a place of fear and the opposite to that is when you're in your healthy or more, what you refer to as the more conscious masculine or feminine is, is when you're operating from a place of love, not fear, you know, and then uh, you've got a whole different set of traits that uh, you're exuding and, and then you're attracting like in, in your partner. Does that resonate with you? Yes, yeah. I often think like attracts like. So if you are that to- toxic masculine, you were talking about that dictator, you know, that's um, very possessive, controlling, chauvinistic and... Uh, uh, very aggressive then you're more likely to attract you know a, a feminine energy that that's in the toxic feminine of being uh, more in that victim mentality of you know being submissive in, in a negative way and subservient and like you say probably there's going to be addictions involved involved there and uh, she's going to be very needy and desperate um and then the opposite of that I describe as the healthy side of things, which I'm sharing with, with uh, my clients about how to be when you're not in those states is, you know, the, the masculine is more in his chivalrous state. You know, he's protective. He treats his woman like a queen or a goddess. You know, he, he keeps us safe. He keeps us secure. He's assertive without being aggressive. Uh, and the feminine in that relationship is, is like you described earlier, you know, when you're more conscious of being in a more healthier state, again, coming from a place of love, not fear, 
is is to be that nurturing, caring, sensual, feminine energy to his positive, healthy masculinity. Totally, I I believe that what you mentioned there is very important, especially because, and I've had it, I have clients, friends, people that I know that they reach out for advice when they're going through difficult times in their relationships. And the general consensus is he did that, she did that, or I was doing this and, you know, and and the person takes a victim role or takes a role where the other person is responsible Mm. for what is wrong in the relationship, right? He's abusive, he's controlling, he doesn't respect me and and uh, and it's important what we share about what who we attract because the first step for us in navigating any kind of conflict is taking responsibility for how we help create it right absolutely yeah so let's talk about um you know navigating conflicts in relationships and like you say the first step is actually recognizing that you're contributing to whatever's happening in that relationship regardless of what's showing up in you know there's 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 a way that you're contributing to that situation yeah the process may not be nice right because it always feels good when i am right and she's wrong or i am right and he's wrong and and then he's the one that needs to change um i was just on a call with a client and she's having some challenges with her boyfriend and she reached out to me for coaching and when i was sharing with her she said okay so but but he has to be in the call as well right and there was there was that energy of wanting to fix him or, mm. or wanting him to do the work and i told her no you're gonna do it by yourself and and your change is gonna impact the way he shows up with you uh, and I could see that she got nervous and a little bit anxious because she was expecting me to tell her that he's her boyfriend that needs fixing. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not discounting that maybe it's good for him to do some work, but um, I believe that when we take part, when we take charge of our part, the the rest becomes a lot smoother, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said before, you know, um, if you change your behaviours and, and, you know, recognise what you can take responsibility for, it'll have a positive impact on your partner. And, and also, like what, what, we talk, what we are talking about navigating conflict, there's something very important to understand that I feel has become a little bit blurred out by the ongoing narrative that is out there especially the narrative around sacred intimacy and the conscious masculine and conscious feminine. And in some circles, uh, a lot of spiritual lingo um, added to the relationship dynamics. Treat him like a god, treat her like a goddess. And while I think these archetypes and these energies and suggestions are often useful and inspiring, and very romantic to read at the very least i believe that they also they can also become sort of pathological because the moment that i expect my partner to behave like like a god to have the presence the focus the attention the consciousness the care the protection the provision of a god he's always gonna fall short 
the moment that I think of my or expect my woman to be, you know, the the sensual goddess of love and nurturing and kindness and generosity, and she's always gonna fall short of that. And the moment that I expect my relationship to be what I, what my client recently just described as uh, a vehicle of harmony for the healing of the world and the universe. That's how she does. That's the expectation she was placing on her relationship. <laughs> Goodness me! Yeah, it was, it was not. It was, yeah, it was, it was not only you know I want to have a good experience with this man that I love. It was her her relationship had to be a vehicle of harmony and light that's going to heal her community and the world, right? Like this big enterprise of power and inspiration. And and it was no surprise that she was feeling frustrated from not reaching that ideal, right? Mm. So, so I think navigating relationship between relationships 101, the most important thing, and the, and the biggest reason that most people, especially in the self-development industry, have really difficult relationships is because they live in delusion. They delude themselves into thinking or expecting that relationships will never have or can live without any sort of challenges or conflict. Um, and this is, a sh- sure, a guaranteed way to crush against the wall, against the expectation you've set up. The expectation that it is always going to be harmonious and fun and enjoyable and beautiful is the, is the fastest way to be disappointed very early with our partners. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the, the big, that's, you, you just said the right word there, expectation, especially, I think women are especially guilty of, you know, imposing huge expectations on men. And, and there's nothing more, I suppose, for a man to feel the weight of a woman's expectations, there's nothing more off-putting <laughs> than that that's going to make him withdraw. Totally, yeah. So, so, uh, and and also the idea of of relationships as the as something to be avoided, you know, and and that would be like going to the gym and avoiding any weight that feels heavy, mm. right? There's not, there's not going to be any growth. Part of the point of the whole thing is lost. Um, I had a friend, uh, another coach that I used to work with, and he said that a relationship between a man and a woman or between two people starts the moment you have your first disagreement, not the moment you make love, not the moment you tell each other you're my boyfriend, my girlfriend, it starts the moment you have your first fight. And he said this because he said that it is when we have our first conflict or first disagreement that we actually start truly connecting with the other person. Because it is when I'm when when, when we have different perspectives, when I am honoring my no, or when the other person told me no about something that I wanted, it is when we enter these places of disagreement that we touch the boundaries of another human being, emotional, maybe mental, and it, the opportunity to get person a lot better, right? Conflict can be the reason that we pull apart and disconnect and judge and start resenting the other. 
but the same conflict can be the source of a deeper connection because it allows us to understand the way that the other sees and feels the world, the way that the other sees and feels maybe my words, my presence, my actions. Um, and in that place, I can really learn to understand, wow, okay, this is important for him. This is important for her. And, and through compassion and understanding, it can, after the conflict is done, um, brings a deeper connection that could not have been there without that conflict. Yeah, that's very true. I feel, you know, there's, there's lots that can be learned, you know, that you don't have to obviously always um, live in a relationship where there is, what, for want of a better description, that toxicity of, of um, you know, aggressive abuse all the time. Obviously, you wouldn't want to be putting up with that. But certainly, like you say, disagreements uh, are going to be normal. You're not going to be always on the same page. And like you said, quite rightly, that those are opportunities for growth on both parties' part in understanding more about the other person. For sure, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm happy that you clarify that. When I say that conflict can be beautiful, uh, I never mean abuse, whether verbal, emotional, physical. In fact, I believe that um, conflict is when we start understanding each other's boundaries, but there are some boundaries there that are implicit in a relationship, right? Mm. Um, that in my belief, they should never be crossed. And if they are crossed, that should be the end of the relationship, no matter what, no matter their children, houses, jobs, long time together involved. And the, the main wonder is that the moment that, that like I can have a different point of view from you and I can still respect you within our differences, right? The moment, the moment that I am using my words, my actions, my body to hurt you purposefully, uh, I think that is the moment that I have lost respect for you as a person and the moment that I have lost my commitment to trying to communicate in a healthy way. Mm. And usually it just keeps going worse and worse and worse. So for sure, yeah, like I, 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 I believe that conflicts can bring you closer as long as both partners are committed to respecting each other, to communicating, and to not doing anything to purposefully hurt the other person. And however, if, you, if, if your partner is doing any of those, then it's probably not a good situation because it's, you know, it, very, it will soon evolve into abuse and... and when we stay in a situation that is abusive, we are condoning it and we're telling the other person that it is okay. And we're telling ourselves that we're okay and that we're deserving of that kind of treatment. And it, it, boy, it really damages and starts to erode our sense of self-worth and self-esteem. So I, I always advise to people that even if it's hard, if they find themselves in a situation that is, that is abusive or they feel put down, even if it hurts, even if it's challenging, even if it's difficult, even if they don't know what else to do, to find the strength inside and, and end that relationship. Because, Absolutely, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, really, really strongly agree with that. Because I think especially women are guilty of, um, you know, being too forgiving. And, and in thinking that they're being forgiving, you know, of, of poor behavior uh, and uh, not realizing that, 
by being overly forgiving, they're actually, con you know, the message they're sending out is they're condoning that behavior because there's no consequences for it. They're actually encouraging them that behavior to keep reoccurring, aren't they? Yeah, I think that's, that's also a key part of most relationships that evolve or devolve into really toxic dynamics of physical, emotional, verbal abuse, infidelity, and so on. 90% um, of the cases that I've worked with, the women are, they always say, oh, but like, it had so much potential, or I, I knew that he's, he's a good man, but he's just going through a difficult time, or I knew that he just, you know, they, they start apologizing for him, giving excuses for the behavior. Yes. But, but the biggest thing is they are, they stayed in those relationships because of the quote-unquote potential they have, and and this is this is a it can be a gift but also a sort of a curse if if not done mindfully because a woman can look at a man she can see him as greater than he is and this vision of him can inspire this man you know a woman seeing a man like a great solid masculine guy. If he's not one, it can make him want to be that man for her. I'm a woman deluding herself into thinking that her man is going to be, he's not, usually leads her into are not very healthy. A big part of navigating conflict, always for me to deal with my relationship, I need to deal with what is, not what I would like to be, not what I expect it to be, not what... I think it should be, but what is? I'm with my partner as who he is, as who she is. Because the moment that I make them less than or more than, then I'm not dealing with reality. And if I'm not dealing with reality, I cannot solve the conflict that I am having in reality, right? You have, if I have a partner that is abusive, but then I think of him or of her as this beautiful God and they're just having a bad then I'm gonna I'm not gonna chance and draw the boundaries that are required. In the same way, maybe my partner did something that I did not like, and maybe I'm carrying some resentment, and then I'm thinking, oh, he's a lazy, he's good for nothing, or 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 she's this and that, and I stick a few negative labels to them. Then I'm also gonna start taking a lot of things personal, and I'm also gonna start filtering our communication through that resentment and again it's going to lead to a lot more trouble because i'm not dealing with what is you know maybe they're a good person that did something i didn't like because i'm putting all these uh, either ideals or judgments then i cannot deal with the situation yeah i like what you said about dealing with what is the reality rather than what you see as as could potentially be you know the how he could behave um, you know, but what is the current reality? You know, is that supporting what you're seeing in terms of actions and words? And, uh, you know, I think it's very important to recognize the difference between what you would like it to be and what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And maybe going a, a, a layer deeper, you know, I think it's good to have a framework to understand, to navigate conflicts. There are a lot of tools and books out there like nonviolent communication well there's plenty of that out there and it can be useful in the beginning for 
for relationships, to use tools, to, you know, to communicate, to see it, to make space, hold space for each other. And okay, I'm gonna listen to you, and then I repeat what you said, and then we switch roles. And all this is fine, but if we go a layer deeper, these kind of processes sometimes can drain the romantic components from our relationship. If yeah. we, I call I call it troubleshooting, you know, like when your your computer gets stuck, then it goes into troubleshooting mode. <laughs> I, I feel Yeah. I I call it going into your head rather you know, rather than staying in your heart. You know, once you start going into your head and you're having to think about it, then it, it like you say, it, it, it can kill the ro- it can kill the romance, can't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so while well I believe these these tools can help us when the emotions are very volatile and help us express ourselves in a way that isn't gonna create more damage. Um, fundamentally, the, the, the key thing in solving any conflict in relationships, especially romantic relationships, is reconnecting to the understanding that I love this person and this person loves me and understanding that both of us want this to work in the same way, like at least both of us want it to be a good experience, right? Yes. So the one that, that I open myself up to to the love that I feel for this person instead of the judgment or the anger or the resentment that I feel because they did something. Um, I can act from a different place, a place that is more resourceful, that is more creative, that is lighter, as you share, a place that comes from the heart. So I don't... So I'll give an example that I that happened to me a few months ago with my girlfriend, that I thought I thought it was it was funny, but uh, it also reminded me of of the the beauty of of not getting so caught up in our heads. And it was uh, we had a, a challenging argument during the day, and then it was it was a difficult one. We spent hours and hours chatting afterwards. We came home and there's this tension and this, this anger and judgment and there's a lot of tension in the air, right? A lot mm-hmm. of these things and you said this and you said that and why and, you know, and blaming and pointing fingers. And then I'm using all the tools that I've quote-unquote learned, right, of how to, okay, have conscious conversations around this, how to hold space, how to help and and I felt that no matter what was being done, it was just a spiral, a cycle of, okay, but you said this and negative emotions. And then it got late. And uh, it got late. So there are two rooms in my apartment. We often sleep in different separate beds. It's just the way that we prefer it. So I was going to go to my bed, and uh, but my clothes were in her room. And... She was angry and she said, if you have to wake up early, take everything you need from this room uh, right now so you don't wake me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I was upset. So I started like, picking up my stuff and bringing it to the room. And then I had like a glimpse of space in my head that allowed me to be present to the, how ridiculous the situation was. And then as I was taking my, the stuff that I needed to the room, 
I, I grabbed her and I lifted her off the ground and I started taking her to the other room and I said, I need to take you because I, I, I need you. And she started laughing, right? And she, like the, she started laughing and, and uh, it, uh, like, it made both of us realize that it was a silly situation, you know, that we were like, fighting, arguing, that we were having this long conversation when the whole time what she needed was to be picked up and hugged or, you know, sometimes uh, if you're familiar with David Data's work, he, yes. he shares about that, you know, the, 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 the power of penetration that humor has, that love has. And I think ultimately this is our, our, our most useful tool when navigating a conflict. If we can find a way to together laugh at what's happening, which very often is very trivial. Most arguments are not over big things. Most arguments are over small things that we do, but that we expand because we're not feeling well in the moment or we're not feeling loved. So we can we can charge that moment with love in a conscious way. It, the, the argument becomes irrelevant suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that personal moment because that there was a lot of wisdom and insights in in what you were saying there about how it ended up being and how you both handled it and uh, you know maintained the intimacy and got the connection back in the end. Thank you. So, Nicholas, please give us you know what is your best contact information um, so that listeners can get in touch with you. Yes, so on the occasional Monday, I run a newsletter that you can sign up for free at nicocanon, N-I-C-O-C-A-N-O-N.com forward slash newsletter. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure all of Nicholas's contact information, as usual, is contained within the show notes, as well as a bit of information and, and a bit of personal bio about Nicholas and, and what he does so once again thank you so much for being a, a fabulous guest and sharing your insights and your personal trials and tribulations around navigating conflicts in relationships for us Nicholas thank you Lynn. And on that note I just want to remind listeners that true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time goodbye for now Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.